Today's reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I feed you with not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to base human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Apollos, and another, I belong to Paul. Are you not merely being human? For what then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together, for you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If what the builder has built on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Yet the builder will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves if you think that you are wise in this age. You should become fools that so you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Caiaphas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all belong to you. And you belong to Christ Jesus, and Christ belongs to God. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. 
So today I'm going to just follow Paul's advice that it's not through the preaching of a whole bunch of wise rhetoric, but just through the simple truth that we get to the gospel. The gospel in chapter 3, I think, comes through on verse 3. For you are still of the flesh, or as the old King James would put it, are ye not yet carnal? Paul points out in this chapter that division and strife have no place in the church. And Paul is right to call them infantile when he looks out and sees nothing but divisions in the church. But Paul here is also, he has been talking about God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom, and he's been letting the Corinthians think in their own minds that yes, they have worldly wisdom. But Paul's going to point out that this infantile, childish attitude proves that they probably don't even have that. Because even in this world's philosophy, and you can go to any system that you desire, for the most part, jealousy, strife, being rude, being contentious, I know of no philosophy of the world on the secular plane that accepts those things. 99% of the issues you find in the church, Paul points out, are infantile and have no purpose belonging there. For they don't even fit in worldly, unspiritual thinking. How much less, then, can these things fit when we are talking about the wisdom of God, the deeper meaning of life? We often hear the phrase that such and such people we may culturally call heathen have much better manners than ourselves. And I'm sorry it remains a truth that people try to get away with in church what they could not get away with elsewhere. We use the cross of Christ and the claim to love one another to act in childish ways that scream, me, me, me. And Paul is pointing that out in this chapter. They are not adults. They are not thinking wisely, even in the world's terms, but they have assumed that they know everything, kind of like a cocky teenager. And this is going to go into the next chapter, especially where we will have to deal with some new issues. In chapter 4, where Paul says, things that not even the pagans tolerate are tolerated among you. I don't think in the world's wisdom from as far as the west as you can go, and I'm going to end there, so you can go all the way to the east, there is no point for this strife and contention that Paul is finding in this church where people are trying to use Apollos against Paul, Paul against Peter. They're all apostles on the same team. Miyamoto Musashi, perhaps a Corinthian, left Corinth and went all the way to the east, carrying the same way of me, me, me thinking. Well, if he'd have landed in medieval Japan, he would have found a philosopher there that said, resentment and complaint are neither appropriate for oneself or for others. It's just the plain truth 
that Paul is getting at here. He has let the Corinthians think they are wise, and he's tried to show them the higher way of God's wisdom versus the wisdom of the world. And because they know the gospel, they should see that. But Paul is saying that's an adult way of thinking. He's pulling them down to, you're being childish because you think even in the worldly plane, what you are doing is acceptable, and we know it is not. And to stick with the Stick with the Eastern philosopher as we come to the second part of 3 Corinthians. The same Musashi once said, Think lightly of yourself, but think deeply on the universe. This is still milk here. Worldly wisdom. But even in worldly wisdom, when one focuses on a higher plane, on a deeper meaning, you gotta go beyond the focus of individuals, of preferences, and what I do and don't like. This church in Corinthia had lost the mission, that outside calling. We see that Paul tries to put it into focus in verse 6, where he planted Apollos water, but it's God that gave the growth. These people had felt that they themselves were so vital to what God was doing that he couldn't do it without them. And Paul says, look, even in worldly wisdom, even in pagan thinking, when one is talking about what God does, it is higher than just regular people. But God's big picture is the whole thing they should be focusing on. And that's what, that's what Paul means when he talks about there's a foundation. Now, the foundation is only Christ, faith in Christ. That's what's specifically Christian in this passage. But some of the rest of it, anyone who builds on the foundation, the work will be tested. That's just common knowledge. Some things that people value very much on the long-term way of looking at the world end up just straw or hay. We often talk about instant gratification versus long-term planning. This is the same sort of thing. The problems of today that seem so important will be forgotten tomorrow. And let's go back to the West, to the Greeks, to the culture familiar to us. It was common among the Greek-speaking languages, even from the days of, of the Aeneid and the Odyssey, that there was this sense the heroes their lives were not what mattered, but what mattered was the legacy. And Paul is saying, look, Christians, you're not even getting that. There's a job to do. There. It's kind of wrapping this up because the thing is, this is the milk chapter. It kind of pulls everything that we've said so far into focus, but Paul's also pointing out that loving one another, getting past strife, seeing God's wisdom as greater than human wisdom is milk sort of stuff. It's not the ephemeral playing kind of high theology. It's not the solid food. It's what you must be weaned on to begin to grow, to get to the greater things. In some ways, it's the stuff that has to get out of the way. 
The one I, I find the most interesting, though, and I'll leave it here, is do not deceive yourselves if you think that you are wise in this age. You should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Paul here, for all of you who likes philosophy, ties a final knot. The Corinthians, who felt they had been really wise and were learned in Latin and Greek traditions of thought, well, those, for the most part, are based off of a fellow Socrates. And Socrates was famous because he always made the claim, well, I'm only wise because I know I know nothing. And he would tick off all the other Greeks by walking up to them and asking them, do you think you're wise? And by the end of the conversation, they sure didn't like Socrates, and Socrates had most likely made a fool out of them. But Paul here is saying, you guys want to be wise in this Latin and this Greek tradition, then why are you going around exactly the opposite of Socrates and saying that you are so wise that you seem to know everything? The wisdom of the world comes against you on this. So it's not even here when Paul is saying the wise must become foolish. Even that is milk teaching. They must know in themselves that it's not resting on their cleverness, but on the gift of God. The difference between worldly wisdom and God's wisdom is the acknowledgement of God moving through it where the human wisdom rests only upon itself. But even Paul, who talked about the inability of human wisdom, is here with this church forced into a position where he points out they may not even have that much. And this is a sad state of affairs. The church called to preach the gospel, to have the heavenly wisdom, is finding itself stuck on things that do not get tolerated even in the pagan society around them. I think for application of this, I'll leave you with an example Martin Luther once gave. He pointed out that when the core is rotten, when religion is no good and faith in God is not apparent, Satan will tolerate all the superficial goodness as long as he keeps that rotten little core. People will be polite, they'll be kind. You'll see chivalry and all these different civic virtues come through. Satan will allow that because he knows the very core of it isn't any good. But Luther points out, say you find yourself in a society in which the core of religion is good. Salvation through faith is preached and accepted. Satan kicked out from that core, finding there's no way to rot it now, where does he go? You find often in Christian societies that neighborly kindness is weaker than it is in other places. You find more rudeness in Christian circles than you do in other places. The point being, Satan can only attack the periphery. Paul is pointing out, though, the Christians who do not see that, who do not work against it, and do not manage to come up with even the heathen level of kindness, show that they are but infants in understanding the struggle and the weight of the gospel and the task they have. 
At best, they can build with hay or straw, those outward visible things, thrones of gold and marble floors. But what will be lacking is the gold and silver, the lives changed, the new connections, the new ways of doing business, not just to get yours, but to enrich your neighbor as well. My friends, let us resolve always to be adult. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we often hear Jesus say to come to him with the heart of a little child. So it's a bit shocking to hear the reversal. But your word is convicting us and these Corinthians and the church everywhere of acting childishly in manners that it should take seriously. Make us ashamed, Lord, of the division, of the strife, of the personal preferences, of the opinions, of the discord that we see in ourselves, we have caused, we have allowed others to cause, and even worse, that we have praised leaders for causing. Lord, you prayed that all would be united as one in your Son. We long for the day when we see that to happen. Yet we confess in our weakness, we are but carnal humans. By the power of your Holy Spirit, though, Lord, we can overcome. We can get what wisdom is available to humans, but far greater than that, we can rest on the divine wisdom that in the fullness of time sent your Son to dwell among us, die for us, to redeem us. And your promise is that you go with us always, even to the end of the age. Amen.